Greetings and regards, listeners of the Jazz and Grass and Other Stuff 2 podcast. I'm Lyman Lipke, and I'm here with my compatriot, Marcel. And if you are hearing this, there is a chance that we have passed away. Yeah, totally. We're like, <laughs> we're like dead or something. And we're, we're recording our last will and testament, and you're, you're eating a dang sandwich. I mean, I was hungry, so I figured I'd have a bite. Um, this um, podcast is going to come with uh, frequent updates about where I am in my sandwich consumption. Right now, I'm maybe, maybe, uh, maybe had a quarter of the sandwich. <laughs> um, there, there is a chance we have passed away, or there is a greater chance, much greater chance, like ninety nine percent or more, that we just booked many things in a week and weren't able to record a podcast so this yeah. is the emergency lever yeah totally we've uh we've uh we've thrown the e-break and uh this this is what this is what we gotta like post so um we're gonna take this extra seriously because we want our emergency content to be super high quality um, yes 100 percent serious i'm gonna have another bite of the sandwich <laughs> um yeah, I, I, uh, I got really lucky with the, the Merlefest thing uh, when, I, when I got the message from Marcel that um, we weren't going to be able to record that day. I was actually on the phone with, uh, with Miles. I'm like, hey, man, you got time today or tomorrow to just do what we're doing right now? Uh, except when I hit a record button, he said, yeah. So we got lucky that time. Um, but if that didn't happen, I was going to try that solo. And without Marcel here to keep me in check, uh, I may have gone insane. Yeah, no one, so. no one wants to listen to you talk for that long. We'd be, we'd be listening to our fans' last will and testimony if, uh, <laughs> if they had listened to that podcast. All four of you so far. Yeah, all four of them. <clears throat> but well, anyway, um, we uh, we yeah, we got a couple things we want to talk about that it's just gonna be kind of a fun thing. Um, yeah, we're just screwing so, uh, around today. We thought we'd start with some stories. Um, you want to go first? Or you want me to do it? Um, actually, this is the second time we've tried to record this, and I told a, a very personal story the first time, and I'm not sure if I'm gonna tell it again. So yeah, that's fine. I mean that that means there's just like a a secret secret escape hatch that <laughs> I'll pull it out when I really need to but yeah Marcel you go first Yeah so anyway me and uh me and Lyman played in this band uh that was a party band and um everything was kind of drinking themed that was the whole gimmick of the group and I'm sure we've talked about it before I think we're going to leave names and band names venue names everything out of these stories just so they just so we don't yep. get in any trouble. But um, we just played this gig at a brewery. And based on the place that we played, I think it was a gig that went from 7 to 9. So 9 p.m. rolls around. We finish the gig. Everyone's having their kind of after-gig beers. And um, I'm, I'm the only one that's not drinking because I was trying to stay, like, sober because I want to remember all the words and all the chords and everything. I was the lead singer, and I, I was really afraid that I was going to forget words and look like a jerk and um so anyway we uh we get this call from another venue that's downtown you know maybe like 10 minutes away and they're 
<laughs> they're in the middle of a show and their headliner isn't going to show up. And they're like, hey, will you guys come headline this show? And we're like, yeah, we just finished another show, but let's go do it. So we drive over there and we're all feeling like real, like, you know, we feel like we're famous or something like rock stars, you know, because someone else called us on the same night and was like, hey, we need you to like fill this date. So we show up and everyone's throwing them back even harder. Lyman's there. Lyman's throwing them back. We got, what, three oh, other yes. band members who are throwing them back hard. Um, I know someone disappeared in, um, it disappeared into an alley to do some illicit uh, smoking. So it was illicit at the time, but it's not illicit anymore. Yeah, it's it's, it's legal in Washington now. It's um, marijuana. Marijuana <laughs> is what it is. It's that jazz cabbage. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm the only one that didn't partake of anything because once again, I want to remember words. We end up uh, finally getting on stage. So um, that must have been like ten to twelve, or maybe eleven to twelve. Um, but, you know, it's getting late, and everyone's had more than enough time to uh, have more than enough drinks. We get on stage, and the first song starts, and everyone's just toast except for me. And I remember looking around and being like, oh, no. And I <laughs> laughed. I laughed so hard just because, you know, what can you do? There's There was no fixing it. And um, when... Uh, we we finished a song, you know, it's it's a bluegrass band. We finished a song that's kind of at a medium pace. And one of the other guys in the band, not Lyman, he turns to me and says, whoa, was that like super fast? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, we just played that slower than normal. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just beautiful. Anyway. So I want to say, I think I know who you're talking about, but. All honesty, I'm not sure. I don't remember much of that night. I've just seen the videos. And disclaimer, I am a recovering alcoholic. I don't drink anymore. But I used to drink a lot, and it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I don't remember much of this night. Continue. You're, yeah, you're the star of this story. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, anyway. I remember that. <laughs> we... Uh... We, we had brought a lot of our fans along with us to this new gig because we, you know, we kind of announced it there at the uh, at the brewery, and it was funny. So now we show up at this new place, and a bunch of people tagged along. They're throwing them back, too. And eventually this uh, this friend of ours, who uh, who's a tattoo artist, he actually designed the logo for the band, too. Um, him just being, you know, kind of goofy, he shouts, take your shirt off, you know, which is funny. He's just being a jerk to us while we're on stage. And Lyman being uh, full of wisdom and uh, in his intoxicated state is like, oh, yeah, sure. And Lyman takes off his shirt and, you know, begins playing bass still. We're a bluegrass band. This is like, <laughs> why is this happening? Why is this wild party moment happening? So Lyman's there shirtless on stage. And, Thought we uh, weren't naming names. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your name gets named. And we uh, we stumble through the, the rest of our set and we finish and it, like, all worked out okay, but... And there's a video of uh, Liven playing shirtless on stage, and it's it's a winner. Not just shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I remember this accurately. <laughs> I, uh, I remember I remember you uh, you were <laughs> I remember you were struggling to keep your pants up because they were like a little baggy, but I, I don't think they ever like came off. No, they came off. Oh, um, did they? I don't even remember that, man. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I, I do remember this because uh, I must have been thinking about this really hard. How am I going to get my sock off so I can red hot chili peppers this thing? <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you that part, but that, that was like the only thing going through my mind. Uh, I mean, it must have been because I remember that part, but that's it. Man. Yeah, my pants just fell off. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember you like, I remember looking over you and you like widening your stance and you're like, you got to keep these bad boys on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I guess at some point I could have been like, hey, we're done. But it was kind of like a captain goes down with his ship kind of moment. And I was like, you know, I'm going to ride this baby straight into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I don't remember much from that night, but that that is one thing I remember. Like, just getting close to naked uh, on the stage of unnamed venue. I would like to say again that we were a party band. Like, that was... That was part of the thing. We weren't like your traditional bluegrass band in like suits or anything. Like the point is like our, our gimmicky thing was that we were, you know, we, we would do this, you know, this whole act that was about that. Was it an act? I, I, <laughs> I, I never thought it was an act. I thought it was a thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I had that confused. Um, anyway, man, it's all you. Give me a gig story. Gig story. Um. I, I was in a a rock band for a little while, and um, this is this is a relatively short story, but I I do have more, probably more from from this band. But again, drinking days don't remember too much, but I do remember vividly because I had been in talks to join another band as well, and we were actually playing with that band that night. Uh, opening for them and I thought it was a really good idea to to sponsor the show with a with some whiskey quite a bit of whiskey a lot of whiskey I was, I was schmammer schmammer jammered um, nice uh, when I drink and play like I, I always heard a story about this guy who would uh who would just Shmammered, just completely like drunk as a skunk, upright bass player, and everybody in the band knew it. Um, but he, he wasn't playing that night. And then he asked if he could sit in, and the regular bass player said, oh, This will be good. Yeah, go ahead. And the dude just crushes it, he nails it. And the other bass player gets back up and says, How did you do that? How do you play drunk? And the, the bass player, the drunk guy said, I practice drunk. <laughs> so I, I I took that to heart as a youngin. And so anytime I would drink in excess, I'd try to get a little bit of practicing in. So when when I do make a, a big error when I uh when I'm playing, I I re I remember it vividly. And we were about halfway through the set. Uh, my new perspective band, they're, they're all watching me. I'm trying to put on a good show. And I had been practicing thing, uh, this, this, this thing. Uh, Victor Wooten's uh, 
quite famous for it. The bass spin, where you spin your bass. Oh no, Lyman. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I don't have strap locks. I don't have anything like that. Uh, And so I just give it a shot. And my bass just hits the floor. And right in front of these these people I'm trying to impress. Uh, Classic story. In the end, it worked out good because I ended up playing with them for a little while. But um, alcohol plus music, alcohol plus anything equals bad decision making. Did you ever get strap locks? I got uh, what Miles calls ghetto strap locks. Those like little rubber things you put around uh, after you put your strap on. Those aren't strap locks. (laughs) (laughs) Those are those little rubber things you put around your strap. (laughs) Uh, they they have completely alleviated my my bad strap problem. So um, that's good, and they're they're cheap. Mm. I don't know actually how much they cost. They came on the uh, they were already installed on this, this base I bought. I, I say installed like it's it's a big deal. You just stretch it a little bit and put it around the little strap thing while your strap is in. All right, all right, I got one. So um, I, I was in a band that did some uh, playing out on, um, out on out on the islands, kind of in the town that we're we're from in Washington. So there, there's a bunch of islands out there in the in the Puget Sound, and there's a bunch of ferries that go between the different islands. And those islands, they tend to have really high paying gigs because they don't have a lot of music. I mean, they don't have very many people out there at all. So um, if they can get a band from like the mainland to come out and play. They, they will pay good money for you because it's kind of an exciting thing. Um, and a lot of times they'll put you up or whatever else. Anyway, so this one time we get booked out on an island and um, <laughs> we we get booked and we, uh, we confirm all the info. We take the ferry out. And a lot of times when you show up at the gig, they'll reimburse you for the ferry because the ferry costs money. And <clears throat> we show up to the venue. And as we're pulling up, we don't see our name on the marquee. We don't see, like, anything. And then we, like, pull in and park, and we, like, get out, and we walk in, and the manager's not there. And the people inside are like, oh, we didn't know a band was playing tonight. We've been booked for this gig. (laughs) We had to take a ferry. We had to go out on the islands. We had to go, you know, the equivalent of, like, middle of nowhere to get to this thing for good money. And this guy's just like, oh, we didn't know a band was coming. Now, of course, the cell service is horrible on the islands. So the, um, you know, then no one can reach this manager guy to like see what happened. So we're all so mad. And, you know, I, I, I had some uh, strong words with this guy. Um, and, and then we sat down and I said, we were going to enjoy our free meal that we got before we played. And, um, you know, the guy was like, um, the guy was like, okay, well, you can order some food, but I'm not saying it'll be free. And, you know, I'm like, oh, it's going to be free. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we have our meal and everything. And um, <clears throat> we finish the meal. And, you know, once again, I tell the guy we're not paying for it. And then uh, I ask him where his sound equipment is. And he's like, well, we have sound equipment in the back. And I was like, great. I'm going to go back there and I'm going to bring it out and I'm going to set it up because we're going to play this show and you're going to pay us. 
And, you know, so I walk into the back of this, like, restaurant bar venue, start pulling out, like, stands and speakers and everything. They still can't find the manager. They still aren't advertising us as a band that is playing. There's nothing going on. I'm just like, you know, I'm going to be damned if I don't play this, you know, dumb show. So we set up all the stuff. We have, we're booked for a three-hour set, you know. So we, uh, you know, we start in and everything. And by the end of the night, <clears throat> the manager had been found, and he, you know, did his apologies and whatever he could. And I think he showed up for a second. But, I mean, the whole thing was just ruined. You know, number one, no one came. We played three hours for five people who were sitting at the bar facing the other direction. We got we got all of our money. We got our free meal and our free drinks and everything else. And afterwards, all those, like you know, five guys that were sitting at the bar, they, you know, bought us a bunch of drinks. And they were really friendly and everything. After that, the venue didn't put us up. Even though, you know, that was our expectation and everything because we don't know anyone on this island. And so, luckily, we have, like, you know, contingency stuff. We had tents and stuff. So, we, um, we you know, stumble out of the venue now. And right to the left of the venue, there has to be, like, there, there's, like, this historical home that is on the island. It's, like, the first house built on the island. So, we, like, walk up this, like, rocky hill and we, like, get to the house and we're just going to camp in the backyard. And um, we start camping in the backyard because we know no one lives there. It's like a, you know, it's a little monument to the island. And uh, one of us is like, we should just check the door. We check the door and it's unlocked. So we all went in. We used the bathroom and everything else. We <laughs> went back out. <laughs> I was like, I was like, we should just sleep in there. And um, we didn't because we knew that, you know, at some point they have like tours and whatever else. So we don't want to be like asleep in the bed when they start leading a group through. <laughs> <laughs> so we we did camp in the backyard and in the morning we woke up and once again we used their bathrooms there. <clears throat> we went back into the venue and I insisted we have a couple free drinks that morning. And then we uh, we left. We played a three-hour gig on an island to five people. And then we broke, we broke into a... Uh, historical building <laughs> is, is that the island that looks like a star's hollow from gilmore girls um i don't know what this island looks like it's not one that i'm familiar with it's a smaller one if that helps without saying any names okay um that reminds me a little bit of a an, an island gig that i did with a band we'll call this story lyman's bad day <laughs> Oh, this is good. Yeah, I feel like I'm reading like Clifford the Big Red Dog or something. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but um, my wife uh, was living in Arizona at the time. Uh, this is before I moved down here. Um, and I, I hitched a ride to the ferry terminal. And before I got on the ferry, I... <clears throat> um got a message all excited from the wife saying that she found a car and she was going to buy it and that it ran. That's the important part that it ran. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm like, crap, now I'm on the ferry. I can't call her back. While I was on the ferry, I was able to get uh, a little bit of cell service and call her for like five minutes. Um, I, I called her expecting her to hear her all excited and uh, she was not excited. She was having a full blown panic attack because immediately after purchasing this car, it died. 
<laughs> and the phone uh, number she received was disconnected. She had purchased a scam car. Yeah, which, a, a literal <clears throat> lemon. Which, which is unfortunate, but, you know, it happens. Uh, we learned from that. And so now I get to this island where I'm going to have very little cell service, and I've got to deal with this thing a little bit. Yeah, you gotta um, like help somehow, and you can't even like use your phone. <laughs> yeah, and she she's in Arizona. I'm in uh, Washington State, and so I I don't know what to do. Um, and I I am in the first group of members uh, to arrive to the venue to start setting up, and uh, we we see this uh, this cook outside. And uh, the, the the cook's like, who are you guys? What, what are you doing? We're like, we're part of the band. He's like, oh, okay. And then we're like, can we? Can you get us inside? And he's like, uh, I I don't I don't know, man. Like, okay, I, I guess I can let you in. So he lets us in. What? We, <laughs> we put some some stuff uh just on the stage, and then a little while afterwards. Uh, the the owner comes and, and just rips the cook a new one for for letting us in, and like I thought it was going to turn into like a full on fight. Like, the yeah, cook just what? started shouting at him. Like I guess we weren't allowed to be in and walk on the floor because uh, he had like mopped it or something. So yeah, how were you supposed to get in? Uh, I have no idea. I think he used his key to get into the front and then walked on the, the dance floor and it let us in through the back. And he got in, in some trouble for doing that, for walking on the floor. Oh. And so, having witnessed all this go down, I'm just, uh, I'm just like, okay, this is how today is going to go. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> So like I'm I'm trying to deal with uh you know stuff with my wife. Uh got all my my stuff into the venue. I'm not thinking about the show whatsoever. Um it gets closer to show time. Uh there's a there's a band. I think they're opening for us or we're opening for them. I can't remember. Uh but there's another band. Um and I was just outside and uh one of one of my other band members, uh, he's, a, he's a little bit of a jokester, likes to bust balls, you know. And uh, that day, Lyman's bad day, was not the day <laughs> to do that, and he knew it. So he 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 s- sees the weak spot and attacks. And uh, one of the only things I can remember uh, in my. Uh, Fit of rage was yelling, and there it is, <laughs> and just walking away. That's great. Um, so I'm upset. Like I was upset before. I'm just upset now. Uh, any little thing was gonna upset me though. And um, Mr. Uh, owner guy starts a uh, sound checking us, and he the sound booth is very very far away from. 
the stage. Um, and he's having us check our microphones, not for levels or anything, but to see what's plugged into what. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> is he asking? Is he asking you like follow the cord? Tell me which like slot you're plugged into. He's <laughs> just having people, uh, like, continuously talk into the mic and pulling up faders, uh, seeing if it, if that's the one. Oh yeah, that guesswork uh, mix. That's good. Yeah, there there was no indicator light uh, pre fader to show him i i don't know <clears throat> and then he started getting upset like like this was our fault like we were the ones who ran the cables and he says something like everybody quiet down this is not that hard and uh i started seeing red i'm like not that hard this is not our problem this is your problem and so uh he gave me explicit instructions to keep the the gain on my bass amp going to the the house low. Yeah. And uh, after he said that, I completely disregarded those. I turned the the post volume like down really low and just cranked the gain. Took my 15 <laughs> dB pad off and uh, just tried to play as much slap as I could, as much loud sounds. I'm pretty sure I just. Uh, the bass yeah. a few times. <clears throat> and uh, one of my other band members uh, after the show said, man, you were on something else tonight. Like, what what happened, dude? You, you, you were playing great. I'm like, I was upset. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad. I kind of uh, wanted to, to cause some damage to this dude's sound system. So that's why I played the way I did. And yeah. I just, it was a bad day. I got really upset. And then I took, uh, uh, like four or five Benadryl to go to sleep that night. And I was just <laughs> uh, like, as soon as I got to the place where we you're staying, I just turned into a zombie. Like my brain was good for nothing. Like, okay, I today like, is over. I like the ending to Lyman's bad day is that, Hey, it turns out the gig, like the gig went well. Like I played really good. <laughs> <laughs> all these things go bad and then it's like yeah but it was a good show that's Lyman's bad day <laughs> yeah I got scammed out of a, a car everybody was a, a big dingus uh, but I played alright I mean that's what being a professional musician is all about like being able to set the stuff aside for a little bit to perform yeah but yeah you got one more gig story Oh, man, I think we should just keep the gig story train going. I'm loving this. This is, like, the most fun <laughs> I've had on this podcast. Um, yeah, so um, I I play in a, in a duo, and we were traveling down um, to Oregon. We were in Salem, Oregon. And there's this little venue in Salem, Oregon that's kind of a, um, kind of like a, a basement little venue. It's, it's kind of a neat thing. Um, but we've played there before. And uh, we show up, and they're having, like, an art walk kind of thing. So people are being led from, or going from place to place, and they're seeing other music, or I don't know. I don't. I never saw any other part of it. I just know that where we were, they were having, like, live music shows for, like, eight hours straight or something crazy. And we were one of the later slots for that. 
So we show up. We, like, figure out how to get in and everything. We talk to who we need to talk to. We get in the green room. And, um, like, everything's going fine. We listen to some of the other bands, and we're um, we're not super impressed, um, I guess is a nice way to say it. Um, it, it seemed like the, um, the groups were kind of strange. One of, one of the, one of the bands was a guy who built his own instruments and there were these really bizarre, like, uh, like poorly wired, uh, like drum triggers and stuff like that attached to other weird things. It was bizarre. He had a, um. But anyway, it was, you know, there was some weird stuff going on. And so it finally came to our set and we were feeling kind of like, we were feeling a little weird because like, here we are, we're going to play this bluegrass set. And, you know, all these other like weird experimental bands have gone up like this isn't going to go over well. So we go up there and we start doing our thing, you know, playing real fast and, you know, doing the bluegrass thing, singing tight harmonies. And everyone's like super into it. We're getting lots of people that are like, you know, being part of the crowd, like shouting at us and like, taking pictures and like, you know, people are crowding around, you know, it was, it was a good set. And I think we played for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever it was. And when, when we're done, we get off stage and we like meet a bunch of people. We're like having a good time. We're like, Oh, well, you know, great. You know, we're not some kind of weird electronic group, but these guys really liked us. It made the show like more worth it. We go into the green room and, uh, we start packing up. We're talking about how the show went well. And the next band up is in the green room, and they're, like, getting ready, right? Well, this guy walks in, and he just starts stripping down. He gets down to, like, his boxers. And then he pulls on, a, like, a pair of overalls and, like, a, a beat-up, like, straw hat and, like, you know, like a, a dirty bandana. And then this chick comes in and does the exact same thing, and they, like, take off their shoes. They're, like, getting all, like... Um, like in that offensive kind of way, like hillbillied out, like this is what they think <laughs> all Southern people are like. And um, just really kind of cringy and embarrassing. Like, oh my God, you're making fun of people like that from your own country. It's just weird, bizarre. So we don't say anything. We just shut up and we're like, oh man, this is the equivalent of like, this is like blackface is what it's like. <laughs> it's like this is like a racist depiction of, anyway. So we, Of white uh, people? I just want to be really clear about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, anyway, we, so uh, <laughs> I just really want to stress this: us two brown men are saying that it is it is possible <laughs> to be racist against white people. Yeah, two people of color. <laughs> uh, Continue. Yeah, I just funny. wanted to get know, that out there. If you don't know, uh, uh, I'm I'm Mexican and Lyman. What do you you don't say Hawaiian? You say Polynesian? Is that what you? I say Hawaiian, like. Actually, I'm white, like, on the inside. Like, I thought I was white till I was 14 years old. So, I'm white, yeah. but I say Hawaiian. You're the whitest Hawaiian I know. Um, anyway, so we uh, we watch this band get ready, and they go on stage, and they put on these, like, mock hillbilly accents. They can barely play their instruments, and they, like, do stupid dances. And they, like, it's 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 the closest thing to, like, a minstrel show I've ever seen. Like, it's that... I mean, really, that's what it was. I mean, if, if, God, it was just, it was bizarre. And the crowd loves it. The crowd is going crazy. And, um, you know, I talked to some people in the audience afterwards, and they're like, man, it was really great to hear some, like, you know, Southern music. And uh, it just made me so sad. It just made me so sad. 
It would be like, it, it's the equivalent of like you going to play a jazz gig and you like finish and you think you've done well. And then the next band is getting ready in the green room and they're like painting themselves with grease paint. <laughs> and and then they have instruments made out of like, you know, like PVC pipe that they're going to pretend to play. And then they go out there and they start doing like a silly dance and like pretending to play their instruments. And you're like, holy, this is like, I'm watching something incredibly racist right now. You know, after I tried to do a serious show, it was like, it was one of the toughest situations I've ever been in to not say something and be like, wow, that was, that was wrong. That was, that was mean. I know you think this is funny and like just a game, but like, wow, way to miss the point, you know? Huh. That, that's a, uh, hmm. I, I don't know about that. That's, that, that's really weird. And then we drove home. <laughs> um, are are you a like to sleep in your own bed kind of person, or do you do you do two dayers where you just stay the night and then drive back the the next day? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm okay with like uh, staying over a night. Honestly, I don't like to do much more than that. Um, you know, I'm uh, I think we're the same kind of way, but um, I'm definitely more into those like weekend kind of tours as opposed to like doing more dates and then like. You know, what happens to a lot of musicians is, like, weekend dates are easy to find, but then, like, weekday gigs never pay. So you end up having to, like, fill in just, like, trash. And then if you don't fill in anything, you're like, what do I do with my time? How do I pay for where I sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would rather do the weekend thing and, like, sleep overnight. Like, I would do gigs in Portland, like, um, which is four Eight and a half, five hours away. Oh, five hours. Oh, right. Round trip would be, yes. Um, and, like, when we were done with the gig, I would always drive home. Like, anything, like, five hours away, I'm going to drive home. That That's how I do things. Uh, just like my own bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. When I've played Portland in the past, I've stayed overnight. I don't, I don't want to do that much driving. <laughs> I don't I don't mind the whole driving thing. I, I do have one more quick gig story. Uh, we can keep going if you want, but I show up to this festival, uh, lots of bands there, and I, I, I have a pretty big rig with me. Like I got a lot of cables, um, I had a laptop, I had some MIDI trigger devices, and I noticed I didn't pack a power cable for my amplifier, just the standard one, uh, three three prongs like you you put into a desktop computer or a monitor or something. Yeah. And I see the other band like getting off stage, and I'm like, hey hey hey, does anybody have a power cable I can borrow? And the bass player is like, yeah I do, but I'm I'm going away pretty soon. And I'm like, I'll buy it off you. And then one of his other bandmates says, charge him 20 for it. And <laughs> for a power cable for an amplifier. I literally <laughs> have like 16 of these things. I just yeah. forgot to pack one. And like, I, I just give the guy a look like, really? Why? Why? Yeah. And then I, I open my wallet. I'm like, I got 14 bucks. I'll give you that for your power cable. He's like, all right. Thanks, man. And so... Uh, I paid fourteen dollars for for a power cable. And there's a part two to this story, 
um, several months later, we're playing another festival and, uh, I run into those guys and, uh, I made, I learned to never make that mistake again. I always have extra power cables in every single case, couple in my trunk, uh, yeah. So I just took one out of my trunk and went up to that guy. I'm like, hey, I just wanted to thank you for uh, for that time you let me borrow that power cable. Here's one. I just gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk, that guy. Jeez. But yeah, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Sometimes when you need to like borrow equipment, it's like same team, man. Like... You know, I would I would gladly help you out if you were like in a pinch. Like, give me a hand. Yeah, I mean, s- stuff like uh, like a power cable, like the universal one. Like, I don't I don't know how much those cost. Like, they seem to come with like every computer case I ever purchased and every power supply. Like, so I just have a bunch of them. Yeah, it's it's kind of. Uh... You know, it's it should be obvious to people, too, when, like, you got all your other stuff together and you, like, you know, your band's professional, like, you're set up, you're showing up, you're playing this gig, and you're like, hey, man, w- w- you know, we just goofed. We're short, like, one quarter-inch cable. Can you help us out? And they're like, no. Just, man, just be cool. Just, please. <laughs> <laughs> I think one reason I paid the 14 bucks is because I didn't want to, you know, have to go to the band boss and say, Look, man, I I forgot my power cable. Can you do something? Which which you probably could have. He could have got me one in like two minutes, but I just didn't want to put that on him. Yeah, and I told totally. him all about it afterwards, and they all laughed at me. That was funny. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, uh, that that story that I told in the beginning about Lyman taking off his shirt. This uh, this story I'm about to tell now happened at the same place and actually with the same band. So that tells you about the quality of the of the shows there. Um, anyway, we, I don't remember this one. Like, zero. <laughs> I'm not sure if you were still playing with the band or not. Oh, oh. But, um, yeah, so anyway, we, um, <laughs> we get booked for the show and, like, everything's normal. Nothing's weird. Um, we do know it's going to be some kind of a, a bluegrass show. And I've also worked it out so that our um, a friend of mine who lives in Montana, who's a kind of a country singer, um, her band is going to come out and they're going to close out the set. And my band is playing second. And then the opening band is the opening band that uh, I made a huge mistake. And I let the venue pick the venue saying like, oh, like we know bluegrass and country like we got the perfect band. And um, that was that was something I never should have done. So anyway, the, the the gig comes up. We're all showing up there. All the bands are there talking. And the first band seems a little hippie-ish, but, I mean, that's something you find in the bluegrass scene sometimes. It's not it's not like we're worried or anything. Um, and our friend from Montana, who's super professional, she's awesome, she starts walking around and she puts a little flyer on every table of, like, where you can find her, like, her next shows and, like, where you can find her music online and everything. You know, she she knows how to play the game. She's... She's a pro, like I said. And uh, so the first band goes on, and <laughs> it's it's the most, like, it's, it's the most, like, cliche thing I've ever seen when it comes to, like, once again, like, you know, the stereotypes of what people think 
like bluegrass should be, and they just don't understand what it actually is. But anyway, it's this very hippie group. You know, some of them are wearing overalls and stuff like that. And um, I don't even know how many people are in the band because where the band started and ended was impossible to see because there were constantly people from the group like wandering up onto stage and wandering off stage and trading instruments. And it was just, you know, somewhere between like 13 and seven people. And... Um, <laughs> They just had like a certain amount of mics set up. And when songs were going on, when people were singing, sometimes they'd sing into the mics, but sometimes they wouldn't. And the best thing, the the most important thing about this band that this venue picked because they thought that would be a good opener for this professional band from Montana that's a country band. One of their band members is a dog. And when I say band members, I don't mean that the dog was participating in the songs. I just mean that the dog was constantly on stage. And it was just one of those like hippie dogs that just has a bandana tied around its neck and just wanders wherever the hell it wants. That's fine. You can have your hippie dogs. I just don't understand why it's a band member. <laughs> and so this this gal who was singing lead on this tune, she she's like singing the words. And every once in a while, she'll lean down to pet the dog, but she won't stop singing. So like if I was to recreate it for this podcast, it would be like if I was talking in this podcast and then every once in a while I just went down here to like pet this dog and I'm petting this dog and my voice gets kind of quiet. It's kind of hard to hear. But then when I come back up, then I'm just still talking, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm done petting this dog. I'm ready to continue doing my podcast. And I've never seen anything like it. Like it was just it was such a horrible, horrible experience. And I feel bad saying that because I don't want to just like disbands or anything, but it's obviously that they they didn't try they they didn't they didn't prepare they didn't put any work into it. If you're not even going to sing into the microphone, instead you're going to pet a dog. You know that's something you could probably work out in a rehearsal. You know, like you can all sit in a circle and someone can be like, "Hey, we should like we should really try to sing into the microphones and not pet dogs." You know, and that's something that you could like probably work through as a band, whether or not we're going to pet dogs while we're singing. Anyway. So the show finishes, <laughs> and they end up leaving, and I start talking to my friend who's from Montana, and um, <laughs> and it comes up like real casually, you know, because how musicians do. It's like, so what'd you think of that first band? And I'm like, yeah, they were okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that in that way where like you're both agreeing on like, man, what was that? But like we can't say it out loud. Like we have to like be nice and be respectful. Anyway, that was one of the weirdest bands I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I, I like chaos on stage. Like, I like living in the border between chaos and order. A dog on stage is far too much chaos. That is not okay. <laughs> it is unacceptable. <laughs> like, I wasn't there. So I, I feel like I can be a little bit harsher on that. That is absolutely unacceptable. Don't have a dog on stage that's not trained. <laughs> You're going to train a dog to be part of your show? Cool. Like, that, that's actually pretty awesome. But if it's not trained and it just kind of just hangs out, no, stop. How do you feel about, like, wandering away and, like, back into the microphone? Like, what if I talk over here for a while? But then, like, I come back over, maybe I'm talking over here. And then, oh, I'm back on the microphone again. How do you feel about that? Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> um, I, I'm speechless after that one. Uh, I, I, I have one. Uh, I was 
I was playing uh, a church. I used to do church gigs quite often. And uh, we, we went down south, traveled a little bit, um, about an hour and a half. And we, uh, we, we spend the night at this church. We do a rehearsal in the evening and we wake up. Uh, we, this church, I think it had two services. We get through the first one fine. Uh, and then in the middle of the second one, uh, after we're done playing the, the opening, we're just sit, sitting like, I, I went backstage and I was just chilling backstage. And somebody comes in the green room and says, the church is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the last thing I expected you to say. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not funny that a church was on fire. I'm just so shocked by, <laughs> by the turn this story just took. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just sitting like, okay, sounds like we got to, we got to get, get out of here. Um, so we all run outside and, uh, I had like a my my prized bass with me that day, my my fretless J. And I'm just looking back inside, inside of the church. I'm like, I can make it. So I run back inside and just grab it. And it's just on me for uh while we're waiting outside while the fire department comes. The fire wasn't that bad. It was just in the bathroom, I think. There was candles or something like that. Um but yeah, like I, I totally would have burned to the ground for that base. But <laughs> that's that's the the day I played a church where uh, the church almost burned down. That's I've never heard that story before. <laughs> that's funny, man. I um, forgot all about it. Like, uh, I I went through my pictures on Facebook. And I'm like, oh yeah, that church. It almost burned down one time. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's good dude that's a funny one um i'm gonna maybe we'll do one more yeah yeah mm, cool i'm gonna i'm gonna end with a throwback a throwback um we've we've mostly been working in the in the modern era with these stories i'm gonna tell a story from high school so uh, in high school, believe it or not, I briefly uh, was the drummer for a metal band. I was indeed. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's cool to say the band name. I doubt they, uh, they're they still out there performing without me. Although I think I was replaced. I think that's why I left. Um, I, was, I was in no way qualified to be a metal drummer. They just needed like a fill-in for a couple months, and I was like, cool, here I go. So shout out to Maggot Therapy, wherever you are, Maggot Therapy. <laughs> um super cool getting to play with you guys. Um <clears throat> we played a gig at a um actually at uh at another high school and uh it was like their coffee house kind of deal. Um and <laughs> we uh you know it's like a talent show kind of thing where a bunch of people go up and perform but it's mostly music related and uh we we're from another school, but they let us play because we had one member that did go to that school or something. I don't know. I don't remember how it worked or why we were allowed. But we uh, we showed up, and um, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I set up my whole big drum set, and uh, we, like, kick into this first song. And while we're playing our opening song, the curtain just starts closing on us. <laughs> 
It's like the equivalent of someone having a giant cane and like dragging you off stage. <laughs> we're like, we're 30 seconds into our, I've just set up this drum set and everything, you know? <laughs> we're high schoolers and this curtain is just slowly closing. And, uh, <laughs> and so immediately, I mean, this is like a metal band. The other people in the band start like screaming profanities and like yelling <laughs> and like, you know, causing a scene. And I'm back there just like, I was told I could fill in for two weeks. <laughs> and and so, uh, you know, the lead singer turns to me and he's like, all right, we need to get the F out of here, you know, whatever. Like, it's a big dramatic thing all of a sudden. And they're, they were mad at us. Why they closed the curtain, I found out later, was because they thought we were swearing in, you know, in the song. And we actually weren't. Um, but that never got resolved because... Before the song ended, everyone was was swearing when the curtain started closing. <laughs> so there's there was no way for us to recover. But um, right, so everyone's like, "All right, we got to get out of here." So everyone's like, throws their stuff in their cases and is like, you know, down the hall, like getting out before they get in trouble. I don't know. I don't know why everyone was making such a big deal. And I was like, cool, let me just put like, you know, this 12 piece kit, like into each individual case. And then like put the hardware and the symbols away. And then like, (laughs) (laughs) I'll catch up with you. And, uh, Anyway, so I tried to pack up as quick as possible, and I ended up leaving (laughs) an entire stand with like a symbol and like a tom on it and stuff like a whole like piece of my kit. I forgot because I was in such a rush to like pack up. And um, uh, the, you know, the band director from that school called the band director from my school and was like, hey, there's like part of a drum set here and I wanted to see if it was from one of your kids. And so (laughs) I had to do like the least metal thing when I was in a metal band. I had to like, I had to like drive back to that other school and be like, Hey, yeah, I'm the guy who, uh, I'm the drummer for that metal band that uh, that kind of got thrown out. You you closed the curtain on us. And, uh, like, I really like that symbol back and, like, that tom because, like, I want a complete kit and that symbol was really expensive. So, like, I'm sorry or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Anyway, shortly after, I was removed from that band and they found another, uh, they found a, an actual metal drummer. Yeah, it's hilarious. That's insane, man. It's hilarious that they just kind of like got their stuff together and then just ran and ditched you. You know, and hey, it helps if I have a second person to like try to get the bass drum in its case. So like someone could give me a hand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's uh, (laughs) a. You want to do one more? You want to call it? You got another one in the chamber? That's really funny because uh, I played with a metal band one time. Um, <laughs> and that's great. We both played one gig with a metal band. <laughs> I was a, uh, I was doing a jazz gig like at a, um, winery, and my dad brought one of his coworkers with him, younger guy. He's like, "Yeah, I play drums in a in a metal band. Uh, we don't have. We're playing a show like in an hour." We don't have a bass player. You want to play? I'm like, when does my gig end? Uh, 45 minutes? Yeah, I'll play. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, I'm like, Dad, can you go run and get my bass? It's like, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on upright, 
finish out this jazz gig and then we go down to this uh this dive bar my dad i have like my little tiny bass amp uh 20 watts it's about uh it's a lunchbox it's a lunchbox i've thrown (laughs) that thing so many times and it still works um but and then i open the bass case and i see my my fretless bass i'm like okay this will be interesting because <laughs> I'm about to play fretless bass with a metal band uh, songs I had never heard before. Um, That's great. And the the thing happened and it like it went off like about as well as you could expect. Like <laughs> uh, I tried to play like relatively quiet, like, I feel like they mix metal basses out of the mix, like anyway. So yeah, but I, I was given uh, a nickname that night, and uh, this might identify some stuff, but I don't. I don't think so. They called me Me Mega Bass, the middle finger of God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like whoa, but yeah. Um, did you just, you know, did you spitball that? Like, was that off the top of your head? Because that's that's a good nickname, guys. Like, whoever came up with that, well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they were kind of doing the Guar thing. They they all had nicknames, but they, they called me Mega Bass, the middle finger of God. And uh, I forgot to get all these guys' phone numbers. Like, I, I had, like, a good amount of fun. And, like, I ran into one of the guys, like, years later. Like, oh, how you doing? He's like, man, we tried to get in touch with you. We put a Craigslist misconnection out for you asking for Megabase. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what you called me. (laughs) 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 And and so, like, this this one-off thing, like, by chance happened. And because I wasn't paying attention, I missed, like, potentially lots of major hijinks. And, uh... Yeah, like, that's the time I played a metal show completely unexpectedly on a fretless bass directly after playing a jazz gig. Oh, and they were all dressed the part, the metal part, and I was, you know, in a button-down shirt and, like, slacks. (laughs) (laughs) I did not look the part, but... Oh, it's great, man. It's my metal story. Oh, God. All right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up, yeah? Yeah, how are we going to send this off? I don't know, just the normal way. Go for it. Um, This has been our emergency podcast. Uh, rest in peace, Lyman and Marcel. Or we were just too busy. But I think you mean uh, RIP in peace. Rip. Rip. <laughs> rip in peace. Rip, rip in peace in pieces. Um, but I'm Lyman Lipke. You can find me at LymanLipke.com. That's, that's where you can find me. I'm Marcel. All my stuff is Lessons with Marcel. So you can find me on YouTube. That's a big one. I've got a bunch of videos on there. Things have been going well. Um, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. And also, I highly suggest you check out my website, LessonsWithMarcel.com. There's a bunch of free stuff on there. And that's also where you can sign up for Skype lessons. Yep. And together, we run an account on Instagram called Jazz and Grass. You can find us at, at Jazz and Grass. We post a new lick every weekday, and we do two on Fridays. So if you're into jazz or into bluegrass and you want to you know, steal some new lines, 
steal from us, steal from us all day. <laughs> yeah, but that's been the podcast, so I guess we'll see you next time, yeah? I hope so, unless we're dead. Mm-hmm.